Christmas traditions just great. They're, they're amazing. We have so many things that we get to look forward to uh, every time of the year. And I know some are a little bit more relatable uh, than others. I've got a buddy of mine in their church. Every year they have this Christmas uh, production that their uh, kids do, and it's for the entire service. Like they do all, uh, all the things, and, and um, that's, that's not why we're doing what we're doing this morning. Uh, but Velocity Kids are going to be helping us out uh, with hearing a little bit more about the traditional story that I think we take a little bit for granted. Like how it happened, the way that it went down, and stuff like that was not something that anybody expected, and so it's a, it's a very interesting thing. Like, uh, some of the Christmas traditions that I think are really interesting that we introduce into our cultures, like, one of them for me is the elf on the shelf thing. Um, like, I think <clears throat> um, there are kids in the room, uh, so I just, I, like, that's interesting uh, to me. Did you know that in Central Europe they have something very similar called Krampus? Have you heard of this? Where uh, there's a half goat, half horned demon that follows around with Santa Claus, and he's for the kids that are bad, you know, and so, uh, you know, it just kind of shows you how soft our culture is with the whole elf on the shelf thing. In Richmond, we've got the tacky light tour thing, which as far as I can tell, I don't know if you've done any research on that, like, I'm pretty sure we started that, and even if we didn't, I'm going to claim it, and so, like, that's an amazing thing. We get together with our family and go and make kind of our own little tour out, and we go and do that, and we, we really enjoy that, so looking forward to that. Yesterday, we got together with my parents, and we made Christmas cookies, which is something that we do every year, which is an amazing thing. But the other thing, the flip side of that, that I understand that kind of comes along with Christmas, especially if you think of things in terms of family Christmas and the way that our families change and our relationships change, and sometimes, um, not sometimes, like eventually at some point, somebody within our family is going to pass away. Like some of those traditions change. Some of the things that we've looked forward to for years um, maybe they go away, they're not happening anymore, and sometimes like the idea of having a joyful Christmas, a family Christmas, getting together, enjoying all those things, sometimes it just ends up being a painful reminder. And that's one of those things that, that I think is important to recognize and acknowledge. Like some of us, as we're talking about the hope and the joy of the season, all the things that come with the birth of Jesus and how amazing that can be to celebrate with each other and be together with our families and, all the, and our friends and that kind of thing. Like for some of us, it's a reminder of some of the pain, the loss, the sickness, the brokenness, uh, the relationships that have shifted, just the changes that have happened that maybe some of our traditions are never going to be the same as a result of that. And one of the things that I'm really grateful for is that that aspect of Christmas, that aspect of life, that things change, that traditions go away, that relationships necessarily um, are, are changed in our, our lives, like that's recognized in a part of the Christmas story as well. It's not one of those things that's highlighted very often. You're not going to find these characters in most of your Christmas nativities or your Christmas plays, but it is a real part of the Christmas story. We all got expectations of how the holiday should feel and how they should go, and pain and suffering and, and dysfunction are unwelcome intrusions. And yet, for some of us, it's just a part of the reality of what we're dealing with for this Christmas and the Christmas seasons to come, and maybe we've been waiting for those things to improve or wondering when God is going to show up in those situations and make, um, make the season a little bit brighter than it actually feels for you. And there are two people that we're going to be looking at very, very briefly this morning that have that same experience as part of their experience of the Christmas story, and it's not ignored. It comes along with the good news of Jesus' birth. So we're going to be looking in Luke chapter 2. And we're introduced to two people there. Their names are Simeon and Anna. And they're quite familiar with the waiting and wondering of whether or not the fulfillment of their hope was ever going to come in their life. 
So Luke chapter 2, verse 25, there's a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And the child's mother, father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Simeon has been waiting forever on this promise from the Holy Spirit that he would be able to see the Messiah to come. Based on what he says in verse 29, Simeon has been waiting his entire life because now he's willing and ready to depart this life. And and you think about how long that Simeon has had to think about this and be waiting on this in his life. Like, how many people did he share this with? How many people did he tell? At this point, God has been silent for about 400 years, and so people have been waiting and wondering for a very long time. And Simeon has promised, hey, you're going to see this happen in your life. And I guess, and we don't know this to be true, but I'm guessing that at one point, Simeon was really excited about this. He probably shared it with other people, and eventually, he just stopped talking about it because it's still hadn't happened yet in his life. And so he's waiting and he's wondering, is this thing that God says is going to happen, am I actually going to experience this in my life? Because I've been holding on to this hope for so long. I'm certain there are countless moments in Simeon's life, uh, even if he had kept this information to himself, in which he thought God had completely forgotten about him and the promise that he had made to him. And yet Simeon, throughout all of that, remains a righteous and devout man. A man who took hold of his faith and trust in God very carefully and surely and conformed his life to the will of God, regardless of how long he had to wait for the Messiah to come. And when Jesus does come, because of this, because of this consistency in his life, Simeon experienced what all who trust God with their lives come to discover along their journeys of faith. That it may not be how we expect it to happen, but God always shows up and he fulfills his promises to do so. It may not be the way that we expect. It may not be the way that we sometimes wish. You know, we can't turn the clock back on some of the things that have happened in our lives that we've experienced. But while everything else around us may change, God does not. He remains consistent, and he shows up. Um, One of the... One of the quotes that bangs around in my head when it, when it comes to this, when I think about this, is Gandalf from Lord of the Rings. Yes, I'm, I'm a little bit of a geek. But he says, A wizard is never late, nor is he early. He arrives precisely what he means to. And this is one of those, I, I don't know, it's one of those things. C.S. Lewis was Christian. He read it. You know, it's like Christian allegory and stuff like that. But I think about that. When I think about the things that I'm waiting on for God to do, that I'm, I'm wondering, like, hey, God, are you actually going to show up in this thing and do this thing that you promised in this area in, in my life? And despite having waited so long that Simeon was now ready to face his own death, even when he wasn't going to be able to see the conclusion of what Jesus would bring when it came to his ministry and what he was going to accomplish in his life, uh, despite knowing that everything about his religious tradition that he had been following for his whole life was about to change, Simeon remained faithful to the hope and trust that God is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he will do, and that hope and that trust in his life was rewarded. 
And so one of the things that Simeon shows us, one of the things that helps to keep things steady in our lives when it comes to the things that change around us, maybe some of the things that we look forward to, we don't quite look forward to the same anymore in our lives, is that um, when it comes to God and it comes to being anchored to how he does not change, it's, it's Simeon was where God said he would show up. And that's, that's one of the things that we can do when it comes to the things that we don't expect in our life, the situations that we're put in, the changing traditions that we have to face uh, every, every year when we come to this time of the year. We can still be where God says he'll show up, and we can still look for him where he says he will be. Some of the basic fundamental things that God calls us to, where he says he's going to be, that he's going to be with us, that he's going to be where we are gathered together uh, to praise his name, to share in this life uh, together, that he will be with us also there. Simeon went where the Holy Spirit guided him to be, um, and, he, and he kept on to some of the basic fundamental things of who God is, regardless of what changes around us. He's very similar to the next person that Luke introduces right after Simeon, because after Simeon meets Jesus, Luke introduces us to Anna, who's been waiting for a long time, too. In Luke chapter 2, verse 36, there was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. And coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of, Israel, of Jerusalem. Um, Anna stuck out for a couple of different reasons. One is that she, after being married for seven years and her husband passed away, that she never chose to get remarried. And this is something that would have been, especially for this culture and this experience, a very painful reminder of how much she would feel like, maybe more especially, other people would feel like she, that she had missed out on when it came to life. But this, is, this is something that she dealt with for 84 years as part of the way that uh, the, the Greek actually talks about uh, Anna and describes her. She was, she was very old um, and, and that, uh, the, in her many days. And if you do the math here and take into account some of the phraseology that actually is, is in the Greek, um, that Anna may have been over 100 years old at this point in her life, and that she had experienced more than a lifetime's worth of things not being the way that they should have been or the way that she had at least had planned for her earlier on in her life, that she had dealt with the reminder and the pain of suffering of, yes, losing loved ones throughout the years, being a fixture at the temple, but probably not seen and mostly ignored because she was always there and always happened to be there, and some of the things that she had seen and experienced in her life um, and in the midst of that had spent an entire lifetime in the temple worshiping, fasting, and prayer. The people around her would have looked at, at her and thought, man, she had missed out on so much in life. How could one person deal with so much pain and suffering throughout all of this? Uh, and how many times did she feel the sting of the death of yet another loved one, feeling loneliness uh, while being surrounded by people but not really seen? And yet she lived through all of that to see Jesus presented at the temple. And she doesn't just thank God for the miraculous opportunity. She's so excited, and she has so much anticipation of what God is going to do through Jesus that she goes around and she speaks about Jesus to everyone else who is waiting and hoping for the redemption of the nation of Israel as well. And just because all of this happened on a timeline that none of us would ever choose for ourselves, Anna reminds us that while our Christmases may never feel the same again, while everything around us may change, God's provision for us remains the same. 
We'll constantly be faced with situations that we don't expect or desire. The passing of time alone will bring those things about in our lives, things that we'd love to turn the clock back on and change and go back to. But those things don't have to overshadow that which God ensures is consistent for us, and particularly during this time of year, that there is joy worth seeking and hope worth trusting in because he has sent Jesus, and he will send Jesus again. Because the season of Advent, what we, what we celebrate together is not just that Jesus was born and we have this traditional story that kind of makes us feel good and brings us joy and hope, but that, but that Jesus lived, that he died, that he rose again, and he's coming back again for us. That active expectation of his having come and that he will come again. And it's so much more than that, than, than just being able to be reminded of that and hold on to that for ourselves, that we get to share this good news. We get to share this joy and this hope with others through our lives and words and let them know that they're not forgotten either, that God has not changed in this way, that he promised to show, uh, promises to show up and he will, and that God is worth the wait because he's been waiting on us all along through Jesus. And so one of the things I want to encourage us to do, some of the things that we can be encouraged by and, rem- and, and be reminded of, of when it comes to Jesus in this time of the year is to share that with someone else. Maybe you know someone whose family tradition has changed forever this year. Maybe they've lost a loved one, and maybe there's a way that you can reach out to them, invite them into something that you do, a tradition that you take part in, that you can help remind them of the joy and the hope and ex- that they can experience uh, this season, that you would reach out and see. Maybe it's somebody elderly, uh, a neighbor that you can check in with somebody, or maybe an elderly family member, or just somebody, uh, somebody that you know, a family member, a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, um, that you can uh, invite them in, uh, maybe in a way that fills the void into what they're missing and help them experience the joy of Jesus coming. Maybe this year Christmas isn't happening in the way that you expect, but that's actually always been the case with Christmas, because not even Jesus came in the way that anyone else expected. 